Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Self Initiative Project Podcast. I'm your host, Jim O'Brien. Hi, and welcome back to episode 21. Today, we've got on the phone Ryan Hoover with Fit to Fight. Ryan, how are you? I'm great. How are you? Good, good, good. Uh, so I'm excited to do this. Uh, it's, I've been wanting, I've, I've had your name on the list for a while, so I'm glad you took the time and were able to take the time to do that. So thank you very much for doing this with us. Yeah, I appreciate the invite. Yeah, sorry the emails kept getting jammed up in uh, spam. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> Finally got it, but I don't know what the deal there was. Yeah, I have no idea. I was just like throwing emails at you from two or three different email accounts. I was like, surely one of these have got to get through. <laughs> Yeah, we up. finally got it. Yeah. So I like to start these things out by uh, having you talk about yourself, uh, background, history, experience you have, and how you got to where you are now. Okay. Um, it's, it's, there's nothing really too exciting. <laughs> um, you know, as, as a kid, kind of like I, probably a lot of kids, I, you know, was interested in martial arts, always something I wanted to do, never really had much of an opportunity to do it. Um, so I was kind of late in life to this, unlike a lot of people, um, in the industry where they started, you know, really young. Um, I didn't really start until I got into college and, um, uh, did a little bit of, uh, traditional martial arts, um, some karate, kempo, um, arnis, uh, got a couple of different black belts. Um, never really like I don't know at some point it was like none of this looks like any of the fights that I was ever in you know um yeah as a kid I was you know well I still am (laughs) I was always on the small side um and so I kind of learned pretty early on that I needed to learn to to run really fast and talk really well and 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 fight um and I used all of those at some point um but none of the, the training that I was doing really looked like any of the fights that I experienced or seen myself. So um, I went looking for something that I thought looked more like what I felt like fights looked like. And um, sure. I found Krav Maga. Um, I actually saw it in a in a magazine article. I'd never heard of it before. Um, and at this time, I'd started doing some jiu-jitsu and some boxing as well. and I'd never seen anything from a guy other than this article, but I decided just based on the article alone that it was something I wanted to, to give it a, a try. So I called out to LA and, um, talked to uh, some folks out there. I uh, found out that there was an instructor course coming up, um, in Jacksonville, Florida and signed up, went down for, uh, at that time, the instructor class classes were eight or nine days. Um, after day one, I was wondering what the hell I'd gotten myself into. <laughs> I had the same thought. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then about, you know, I don't know, a couple of days in, um, I mean, it was very tough. It was brutal, physically, um, incredibly challenging. Um, but it was much more like what I, I was looking for and yeah. in terms of, you know, just a self-defense system for, adults that you know wasn't taekwondo um and so i was hooked uh there was very little in the southeast with regards to kramaga at that time 
Yeah. Uh, so I had to travel a ton, um, you know, so I went pretty much anywhere, anytime anybody was doing a seminar. Um, and at the same time, I was still doing, uh, I was still training in jujitsu and, um, I went to Thailand, did a little bit in Thailand and, um, but I, you know, I pretty, pretty much immersed myself in Krav Maga for a few years. Sure. And so, uh, in Krav, your second degree in Krav, is that right? I'm trying to remember yeah, my history. I, yeah, I, I, I got my second degree in 2008, I believe. That's no small feat. And you actually authored or co-authored the uh, worldwide uh, black belt book for Krav, didn't you? Uh, the black belt book, the beginner's book, and the women's book. Okay, yeah. I knew you had at least the one, and I was trying to remember all the ones that I'd seen you on the cover of. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, the, those three. Um, you know, and I mean, it was a good experience for me uh, in terms of uh, that was the first time that I'd, I'd done anything where I really, you know, uh, got some some kind of publishing cred. Um, yeah. Writing is something that I've always enjoyed, uh, so that was a good project for me to be involved with. Um it opened up some doors for, for some other things. And there are parts of those books, you know, that, that I still think hold a lot of merit and value. Um, parts of them that, you know, I, I, I don't care for, but sure. in, in terms of representing the Krav Maga worldwide approach, I mean, that's what I was asked to do, you know, so I think they fit that bill pretty well. Yeah. And on that note, just kind of taking a tangent here, I know, and and when you said it, I remembered you had, and I'd look through it at a point in time, but what would you say, um, and again, completely tangential, random question, what would you say is the biggest difference in the book that you wrote for women specifically in Krav versus the regular old Krav Mm -hmm. program for everyone? What Was it techniques? Was it words you wrote to resonate better? Maybe what what aspects were made it a book for yeah. women? Yeah, I, I think um, the the technical responses really aren't any different. I think that you know there there maybe are some um, attacks um, threats that are more common um, when women are dealing with violence than than maybe when men are dealing with violence. Yeah, um, and and so understanding you know that not necessarily that because fighting is fighting, you know, like I I tell this story often. Um, I got a call several years ago from a Connecticut state state trooper and she wanted a course for small officers. (laughs) And, you know, I told her, I said, okay, well we can do that, but just so you know, it'd be the same course as we would do for giant officers. (laughs) And, And needless to say, I never heard from her again. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure she found somebody that, that would teach her, you know, a, a course on for small officers. But yeah. the reality is fighting is fighting. And if right. you're small, um, you just have to be better. And, and it's still going to suck, yeah. you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and so I think that was the right approach for, um, uh, you know, when you when you write a book that's, that's focused on a particular part of the, the demographic, the market, whatever, um, it's important to understand, you know, I, or it was important for me to, to make sure that we relayed. It's not a, a different technique, you know, it's not a different, um, because you, you're maybe smaller or you're maybe, um, uh, not as, as big or whatever. Sure. 
it's not going to change the technical response. It's just going to mean that you maybe are going to be faced with different sorts of attacks and different sorts of threats, um, and that you're going to have to be technically that much better. Yeah. And so uh, going off off course here a little bit, um, and that's just the way these things go, what do you think, and maybe this was further down the list, I don't know, but what do you think relative to women's self-defense or just self-defense as a whole, I, I know I have my uh, list of things, but what do you think is really missing from self-defense training today in the schools? What do you think could be done better in general? Um, I, I think there's, uh, and I mean, a lot of this comes down to marketing. You know, I think there's an over-reliance on um, telling people uh, all you have to do is, you know, yeah. giving, giving people this kind of formulaic, <laughs> algorithmic approach to dealing with violence. Um, and I get why that happens, you know, from, from a marketing standpoint, it's just, it's an easier sell. Right. Um, because people want you to tell them, well, if this, then that. Um, so as an instructor, it's an easier thing to do. It's easier for me to get in front of a group of people and, and say, okay, well, if we're going to deal with a two-hand choke from the front, I do A, he does B, I do C, he does D, and that's easy. Yeah. Um, and then from the student standpoint, you walk away feeling like, okay, I've got that. I know how to deal with that. Yeah. It, it's, it's not easy to get up in front of a group of people and say, well, it depends. it depends. You know, there are, there are, there are a, an unlimited amount of variables. And while, you know, we want to give some sort of, uh, of a framework, um, for how having to deal with a choke for the front from the front, for example, yeah. um, we need to, to allow the students kind of the ability to, to paint their own picture. You know, that, the, the, the thing I say all the time is we're going to give you a skeleton and then you have to, to build the muscle around that. Um, because it, at the end of the day, we need to be problem solvers. If I give you a hundred technical responses to a hundred different attacks, for sure, you're going to be faced with the hundred and first and then, right. you know, now what? Yeah. Now um, you're going to so, tell me how the program stinks. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I mean, at the end of the day, techniques fail. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. um, th th there are, there are some things that, that work in certain circumstances with certain body types and certain people and some things that don't, you know, it, it, it makes no sense for me to try to force a five, 215 pound woman to fight the same way as a six foot, 195 pound man. Yeah. Like, how does that make any sense whatsoever? Right. Just physically doesn't uh, add up. So I'm right. glad, I'm glad you brought that up. Cause as we talked about, that was one of the things that I wanted us to touch upon today, because I think, uh, at least from my vantage point over the last few years, it seems like you've gotten an infamous reputation for saying those two words. <laughs> and it's the two words that are as simple as they are really piss people off because you're right. They always want the answer. There is an yeah. answer for everything. And those two words are, it depends. And, um, I think that's very true. Like you change one tiny little aspect of any scenario and it completely changes how your response goes, what the outcome is, all of that stuff. Yeah. I, I think, um, to people that maybe either don't know, or maybe they do know, but they, they don't want to kind of let go of the veil of expert superiority you know, it depends. Sounds like a cop out. Yeah. Um. But 
to me, it's quite the opposite. You know, the cop out is me standing up in front of you and telling you exactly what you want to hear. Um, yeah. Open you know, mouth. That, that, o- I mean, open mouth. Here comes the spoon. Yeah, it's super easy to do. Um, but if we if we take the two end show from the front example, I mean, where are we? You know, are we on an incline or are we on a decline? You know, are we on wet grass or are we on gravel? Am I pinned up against a car? Am I pinned up against a wall? Am I pinned up against the floor? Is that is the person attacking me six two two oh five? You know, <laughs> yeah. th- th- there are just so many things that come into play. That am I with my eight year old? You know, th- those kinds of things that. Um, if I just give a purely technical response, then it, to me, it indicates that I don't really understand the dynamics of violence um, because just any one little variable can change the, the entire way that I should respond. Um, and that's hard because now I have, to, I have to think, you know, I have to be able to, to, to think for myself as opposed to having a manual or a book or an instructor or a YouTube video tell me exactly what to do. Um, and, and that's just not how violence works, yeah. uh, unfortunately. Yeah. You know, it's just not the what, what happens. Yeah, the prescribed, mm-hmm. the prescribed technique, a, steps A through G, don't ne- necessarily work on the streets when the s- scenarios are so much more dynamic and to your point with so many variables that there's no way that A through G will get you through them all every time. Right. As soon as one of those things is out of order, if if you've never learned to deal with that, at the end of the day, I think you have to teach people how to fight. You know, in the self-defense world, especially in the, the reality-based self-defense world, there's this this want to say, well, Self-defense and fighting aren't the same, and and you know maybe on a on a very cursory kind of uh, superficial level that that's true. Um, in that self-defense is okay. I'm being choked. How do I deal with that? Okay, so I deal with that initial danger, but now I have to just be able to fight. Right. You know, when, w- once I get the hands off of my throat, I need to be able to fight this other person. You don't win fights with defense you know i i've seen hundreds of Mm. fights in my life i've never seen anybody self-defense themselves you know (laughs) like that that, that's not a thing like okay so maybe i deal with that headlock or i deal with that body lock or or i deal with that takedown or whatever but immediately after that my ability to fight is what's going to make the difference between between me surviving or not surviving and and you know, nobody wants to hear that. I mean, it's like, well, but I don't want to learn how to fight. I just want to learn how to, to defend myself and get away. Okay. Defense is hard. Like it's really hard to defend yourself against somebody that's doing violence to you, especially if they go first, which if you're the good guy, they almost always are going first. Yeah. So I, I need to be able to hit hurt that other person more than they hurt me and do more damage than they do to me. And that's just, coming down to, to being able to fight. Yeah. Yeah. He who gets the first drop gets the drop usually comes out on top. Yeah. I mean, it just is, you know, I mean, I, I wish that weren't the case, but I'd also be lying to my students if I told them otherwise, you know, giving them a, a, a false sense of what's, what's real, which is the problem with, again, the, the 
having this algorithmic approach to, to dealing with violence. Um, if I tell people that that's the way it's going to happen and that's not really the way it's going to happen, they walk out of here feeling good about themselves and then let's hope that they never have to prove otherwise. And I mean, the truth is they're most of the time they're not going to, right? You know, like you can get away as an instructor with, with teaching some bullshit, even if it, it's unintentional because the odds of your students ever having to use it are next to none. So I mean, if no. we're just, yeah, you know, if we're just playing the numbers, I mean, they're much more likely to die from heart disease or diabetes or something. Um, on the topic of kind of taglines and things that you've developed for yourself and your school over the years, you know, I was up for something. Uh, I was taken uh, with you once in Charlotte, mm-hmm. and I actually uh, came back with a sweatshirt because the the tagline resonated with me so much. And um, you know, it's it's used a lot, but still has some meaning. Growth is in discomfort. I think yeah. that kind of can be tied into what we were just talking about and being getting used to the idea that you got to learn how to fight and that there aren't canned responses for every situation. And, you know, you need yep. to get in there and figure it out. Yeah. Um, growth is in discomfort. You know, that that that's been one of our kind of, I don't know, mantras, I guess, for a long time, understanding that if I'm going to grow, if I'm going to get better, if I'm going to improve myself, in any any way, you know, whether it's it's physically or emotionally or mentally or whatever, I'm going to have to be uh, willing to to get uncomfortable. You know, if I'm I'm going to have to kind of embrace failure. I'm going to have to embrace um, days where I get tapped more than I tap um, somebody else, or where I get punched more than I punch somebody else, or where you know, I, I I do push-ups to failure, and the guy beside me is doing twice as many, you know, sure. um, <laughs> because it, it, there's no way for me to improve. If, if I want to get better at playing basketball, then I'm going to have to challenge myself. I can't, I mean, I can go out and play 10-year-olds, you know, and, sure. and win every time, um, but I'm not really improving. I'm not really getting any better. Because yeah. I'm not uncomfortable, you know. They're they're not going to push me. They're not going to challenge me. They're not going to um, make me get better. Um, and again, you know, if we go back to the the previous conversation, our way is not the easy way to go about things. People don't like being uncomfortable. Yeah. You know, it's it's, it's yeah. counterintuitive. You know, we, we we do everything we can to seek out comfort that's why we have air conditioners and heaters and you know things that make us uh, feel better um so to go out and 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 not only seek it but pay for somebody to make us (laughs) uncomfortable you know that that that, there's a lot of cognitive dissonance that has to happen there yeah um and so again you know it's I, i remember somebody told me one time look uh mcdonald's is is one of the big biggest corporations in the on, on the planet, not because they sell what people need, but they sell what people want. Yeah. Um, so in a lot of cases, you know, we're, we're selling things that people need, but not necessarily what they want. Not and and want. that's a hard thing to do um, on the surface. You know, you have to get re- people to really buy in to why 
discomfort, why forcing yourself to be uncomfortable is where the growth is. Um, and, and so we've spent a lot of time, a lot of years trying to kind of uh, engender that culture where people get it. You yeah. know, if, if, if I want to improve my bench press, well, I'm going to have to Im- increase the weight. I'm going to have to increase the reps. I'm going to have to increase the, the, the time under tension. Yeah. There's no other way to do it, you right. know? Um, and, and, and that's, the same, whether it's a, a physical um, challenge or an emotional challenge or a mental challenge, if you're doing the same things you've always done, then you're going to stay right where you are, and there's just no growth there. So you're going to have to get uncomfortable. So it sounds like, you know, and this is a great segue to the next thing, but it sounds like, you know, that is one of the challenges, especially for new people or women that definitely, or whoever it is, children, women, or a guy that's never thrown a punch in his life. It sounds like that's definitely one of the challenges of not only just getting them to the door, but through this door and staying and also paying for it. But what are some of the other challenges for the average Joe Schmo coming to learn self-defense? Yeah. Um, when I, when I teach an instructor course, one of the things that I talk about is, um, somebody coming to your center, they've probably gone to your website half a dozen times before they sent an email or made a phone call. And then if they sent that email or they made that phone call, you know, they probably sat on it for a couple of weeks before they actually decided to come into your center. And maybe they did a tour and maybe they watched a class and, you know, and now they're three or four months down the road before they actually decide to make the, the, the effort to get into a class. So that person has already gone through 10 layers of uncomfortability before they even step onto your mats. And I I think that's something that a lot of instructors and a lot of center owners need to really understand when they're they're dealing with folks that have never been in a fight before, never punched anybody before, never thought about punching anybody before. Um, They're on your mats. They've already done a lot of things that were uncomfortable for them. And if, if my center, if my class, if my instructors, if my members, if, if none of that is inviting and welcoming, um, they're not going to stay. They're not going to come back. You know, that today there are just way too many other options for people, you know, a lot of other activities for things and things for people to do. So if, if we're not cultivating a, a, and engendering a culture that, yes, it does what we say we're going to do, right? We're going to get you into good shape and we're going to get you some skills that, that hopefully you never need, but will enhance your survivability. Yeah. But in an environment that's welcoming, it's familial, you know, yeah. it, it's, it's, you walk into our, to our centers and, you know, it's not, there's not, black everywhere and and camo and you know <laughs> people walking around in bdus and um you don't have your camo pants on <laughs> yeah you know i mean I, i'm not running a boot camp you right. know i'm not people that are coming to to train with us if they wanted to join the idf they could go do that you yeah. know israel will take you yes you know <laughs> so um and and that's fine if that's what you want to do but most most of the people that are coming to us they're looking for something um, different, 
uh, on the, the, the fitness and conditioning and strengthening side and something that, you know, is a stress relief. People love to just come in and hit a heavy bag, you know. I yeah. mean, it, it, that that's a fun thing to do. You can get into good shape. Um, and then, you know, there are people that want to learn to fight or that want to learn self-defense, but they want to do it in a way where if they're a, a doctor or a lawyer or a banker or an accountant or whatever, when they go to work tomorrow, their nose is in the same places where it was the day before. Yeah. Um, so um, that, that they don't want to look like Ed Norton's character. Yeah. 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 I mean, it, it just, and it's a fine line to walk between having a realistic training environment, but then also, you know, being safe and understanding that most of the people that are coming to us are, are coming here to enhance their lives. Well, if, if, a lot of people are getting injured during training, then we're doing the opposite of what we say we're going to do. Yeah. Uh, the other flip side of that is, you know, everybody thinks about getting new members in the door and, and students and uh, keeping students. And, but what are the challenges for the more advanced people for the black belts? Is it the same? Is it that they're, they think now that because they're a black belt that, um, there is no need to be uncomfortable anymore that they've achieved all they need to. It's just keep upkeep. I mean, how, what are the challenges for those expert level folks? Or for that matter, I know you do a lot of work with pro athletes. Like what are the challenges for them or are they the same? Yeah, I, I think, I think the challenges are a insecurity. Um, mm. Understanding that just because you, you've attained a certain level that, that really, you know, that level was just determined by somebody else. Um, that that doesn't mean that if you're a black belt, that there's some blue belt out there that can't kick the shit out of you, you know, right. that, that it, and, and, and understanding that that's okay. Um, because what, what I've seen happen is when people uh, achieve a certain level, um, whether fair or unfair, they and other people put them on some sort of pedestal. And that, that pedestal means that, you know, they are somehow hmm. undefeatable now. They're invincible. And that's just not true. Nonsense. And, yeah. and, and, and I, I think if you kind of create a culture where people understand that, then you'll have black belts training with, with white belts and, and blue belts and purple belts or whatever. Um, otherwise you're going to, you're going to have people get burned out. They're, they're going to reach a certain level. Um, they're going to, to think that they've got it all figured out that they don't need to do anything else. And, you know, and, and maybe they don't for, for what their goals were, you sure. know, I don't know. Um, but if I'm, a 40 year old, uh, black belt in Krav Maga or Jiu Jitsu or whatever. Um, I figure I've got at least another 40 years to go, Yeah, you know? So if, if we, again, recognize that the odds of me being held at gunpoint are, are infinitesimal compared to the odds of me dying to some, some sort of illness, um, then I want to keep challenging myself and I want to keep pushing myself and I want to keep, you know, I want to, if, if enhancing survivability is the goal, then keeping my, my 
blood pressure and my cholesterol down are part yeah. of that. Yeah. Um, and, and so staying active and staying physical and staying challenged is important and doing it in a way where I have enough security to recognize that, okay, I'm, and I'm talking for me now, I'm, I'm 45 years old. I've got, um, a bunch of injuries. Um, I, I could work into a jujitsu class tonight and probably get subbed by a 25 year old blue belt, you know, and, and, and that's okay. Um, you know, it, when it, when it becomes not okay is when you create a, 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 an environment where it's not okay, you know, but if, if, people see that happening and nobody makes a big deal out of it, then it's not a big deal. Um, and so I think you, you kind of break through some of the, the barriers that hold more of these advanced folks kind of back from continuing to grow and continuing to develop. Plus they're not doing what somebody did for them at some point, you know, at, at some point, some higher ranking person trained with you and, and, and worked with you. And that's what helped get you to your level. Yeah, um, so if you're, if you're not doing that, if you're not giving that, that same kind of energy and effort and attention to, to people that are, are, uh, lesser rank because you're insecure, then that's a real problem. Yeah. Uh, circling, circling back to another tagline of, uh, yours and your schools is, uh, another one that, that I get that I dig a lot is, and, 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 you know, I've even thought of it in context of the office space in the corporate world, but everyone is fighting something. Yeah. I think that's an important thing for all us all to keep in mind. Um, yeah. Yep. And, and that could be something as small as, you know, uh, getting out of bed, you know, I mean, yeah, <laughs> There, there are days where, you know, and, and depending on what's going on in, in certain people's lives, you don't know what they've been through that day or that morning, you know. Maybe they, 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 they had to spend 90 minutes in line in the DMV or whatever, you know. Everybody's dealing with their own shit. And um, while any one little thing may not seem like much, the cumulative effect can be caustic. You know, it's toxic. And I I think it's easy for us looking at situations from 10,000 feet to to dismiss certain things. And so everybody is dealing with with something that the rest of us don't know about, you know, at at least on the the real deep levels. Yeah. Um, And and so I think it's important for us to, to recognize that, that a fight um, can mean a whole lot of things. Uh, and again, you know, we keep, I keep circling back to kind of familiar themes, but all of this stuff kind of ties together to me, you know, it's like, if I want to be able to control my emotions and control my ability to deal with life's daily bullshit, then being physically fit and strong and, and confident and secure, all that stuff helps me to understand there are variables within my control and variables that are without, are not within my control. Um, and, and so pushing myself in those ways, um, fighting the fights that I can have some influence over is important. Um, and then not giving energy and, and time and resource and effort to things that are outside of my control is important. 
You know, the the things that I think all of us at some point we, we kind of give a lot of attention to that we really can't affect that just our, our time is finite, you know, our energy is finite and worrying about things that we really can't do anything about um, is, is caustic. I mean, that, that stuff will wear on us. So fighting the fights we can fight, um, doing what we can about those things and then kind of moving on is important. But yeah, everyone fighting something thing, I, I think maybe out of all of the taglines or mantras or whatever we have, that one may be the most universal, you know, I I think everybody on some level is dealing with, with something that is, is challenging them in in some way. Um, And that's hard with, I think with social media, a lot of times, because you get the two extremes, but for the most part, people put the good shit that's going on in social media, oh, you know? Yeah. So absolutely. If, if you're, if you're sitting at home and you're dealing with, I, I don't, I don't know, whatever it is, you know, bad grades or, or, um, a, a difficult work environment or a bad relationship or whatever. And you see all of these people that are posting everything going on great in their lives on, on Facebook or Instagram or whatever, I think it's easy to get caught up in that and think that you're the only one um, that's having to deal with shit, yeah. but everybody's having to deal with shit. Everybody is, is, yeah. So, yeah, and I think, I, I think. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, you know, and I think the other piece of that, at least for me, is uh, to keep my own shit in check, knowing that someone out there is going through something similar. Or nine times out of ten, you know, I say it a lot. Just when you think you got it bad, someone's got it ten times worse than you do. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's it's. I I uh, I bought a new truck. Um, I don't know, a couple months ago, and um, I'd had it. I don't know, two three weeks, I think, and a tree limb fell and great shattered the windshield, dented the hood. Um, and you know, it, it, it'd be real easy to get, get caught up in, man, that's just bullshit. You know, that really sucked, whatever. But I mean, at the end of the day, I just bought a new truck. Yeah. You know, I mean, it, it, there are people out there that they don't know when, where their next meal is coming from. Sure. So, you know, it's, it's all relative. Right. Um, yeah, and the it, overall yeah, scheme I, of I things. Yeah. That's right. Keeping that, keeping that into perspective is important. And it's really, I mean, everybody does it, you know, everybody, cause at the end of the day, I mean, you're, you're the one dealing with your own stuff. So, I mean, it can seem like a lot and I don't, you know, there's a great quote and I can't even remember who says it now, but comparison is the thief of joy. Um, you know, that, that's a huge thing. I I think. Absolutely. So shifting gears and getting into some of the things that I wanted to talk to you specifically about, because I know, like, for example, here in the last, what is it? Maybe it's even been longer, but year and a half, two years, you've taken on your own knife, had your own knife built. Yep. And just want to talk about how gun and knife play come into the picture and where it's appropriate and how it's being done. And is it getting better? Because, you know, there was a time where we'd be up, you know, a lot of instructors would be up in front of Krav class teaching tap and rack. And I guarantee you that 80% of the folks teaching tack and rap and gun defense didn't even know what tap and rack was, right? 
or yep. had even shot a gun before. And I always said, being a gun person myself, I always said, how can you have folks handling firearms that have never even handled a firearm before, right? Much right. less talking about terminology like tap and rack and all of that. So, you know, the good yep. news is I think it seems like, and I don't know where the spark got lit, but I was happy to see it either way. Somewhere along the line, some Krav school or schools decided to start incorporating uh, more gunplay, like actually going to the range and uh, allowing yep. students the opportunity to learn how to shoot before they learn right. gun defense and all of that. So, yep. Um, how did yeah, that I come think, about, uh, and how does it fit? Yeah, I, I, I think, and and to kind of dovetail on what you said, I remember several years ago, I was teaching um, some active killer defense stuff in Europe, yeah. and. Uh, in, in Europe, there are a ton of different crime guy organizations. I yeah. mean, they, you you can have you can have a town of ten thousand people and have six different crime guy organizations <laughs> represented. Um, and and so I was using this particular course, and it had forty or fifty people in there, and so there was a lot of tapping and racking happening. And I'm I'm looking around, and I'm thinking, all right, well, we're in Europe. I'm pretty sure none of these people have shot a gun before, you know, like. So I stopped and, and and I asked the group and again I said there was forty or fifty people in there. I asked who's ever shot a gun before, and I had two or three guys raise their hand. They were both former military, yeah. and you know, so so they had shot rifles, um, spent time with rifles, and I said, look, I, I understand why you're tapping and racking because you, you that's what somebody else has shown you and taught you and whatever, but what are you doing? <laughs> like, right. You've never even shot a gun. I mean, it's, it's, it's a plastic gun. It, 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 it's a wasted motion. It's doing nothing for you. Um, and I mean, it's not just Europe. I mean, it's, it's here too. And so I don't, I don't know at what point kind of the, we've been running, um, firearms, uh, stuff as part of our black belt tests for quite a while. Um, and then just in the past few years, we, we kind of started trickling it down, um, to where, you know, uh, we offer programs uh, pretty much just right off the street, um, for inert training, um, with guns. And, uh, I think especially in America where, I mean, you know, there, there are a lot of firearms in, 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 in the country and the training, um, I'm, I'm using air quotes now is woefully inefficient. You know, I mean, yeah. the, the number of people that, that go and get a concealed carry license and do that eight hour class, that's a complete joke. Um, and then think that they're good to go is just a scary, scary thing. Yeah. Um, and, and, and so the more that we kind of saw that and had people coming in and I own two training centers myself and, they're 45 minutes apart, but they might as well be on different planets. Sure. Um, and, and one of my centers, my Charlotte center, there are a lot of folks, uh, that are not native to this area. They, they've come from up North mostly where, you know, guns just aren't legal law abiding. People just don't have the same kind of, of access and opportunity to, to farms. So, um, I felt like it was something that we really needed to, if we were going to teach people how to take a gun away, yeah. they needed to have familiarity with, with what that was going to be like. The first time, 
you hear or feel or or see or smell a gun going off shouldn't be when it's while you're trying to take it from somebody. Right. Yeah. Wrong time to have that experience for sure. And that's what I always thought. I thought it was the one piece. Like here we are teaching firearm defenses, but who in here has actually even shot a pistol uh, at the range before, you know, to understand the... Because if you haven't and you grab the gun and it goes off in your hand, for sure you're going to let go. Yeah. Yeah. You know? A little startling. You just are. Yeah. Um, Knife. This is one I've harped on and, you know, maybe things have changed, although I haven't seen it or heard about it. Knife (laughs) knife defense for me is kind of, I'm not going to say a joke, right? Because if you do it enough, at least you've got maybe some... I don't want to say tool in the toolbox, but you know where I'm going with that. But the thing yeah. that I, the thing that I've struggled with in Krav over the years is that, you know, maybe for static knife defenses, eh, okay. But this whole dynamic knife defense, you know, 360 defense setting us up for that, I've always struggled with really what that's going to be like, you know, and if right. you're if you're like me, you probably watch tons and tons and tons of security footage and of knife attacks. And guess what? No surprise, <laughs> they don't ever yeah. happen like we teach in class. So, are, is right. there anything being done about that? Um, I mean, our approach to knife defense is vastly, drastically different than the traditional Kramaga approach um and and even with that said i and this is i say this anytime i teach knife defense i don't like our knife defense i just like it better than anybody else's <laughs> um you know it's like it's honest yeah 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 exactly um to me knife is the scariest thing to have to deal with yeah period in the story you know it just <clears throat> it's just a very different kind of dynamic than a firearm is um, and, and so with, when dealing with knife, the first thing is, uh, you know, we tell people, look, you have to learn how to fight. And I kind of, kind of already addressed that in this conversation, but yeah. the idea that if you can't fight another human being that doesn't have a knife, how the hell do you think you're going to be able to fight him if he has one? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, so all of a sudden, you know, now I've got this, this knife technique that's going to allow me to do this, that, and the other. Well, bullshit you know like if that guy if that guy's grabbing you and and sewing Mm -hmm. machine stabbing you in the in the the gut and you don't have any kind of fighting skills and fighting wherewithal you're gonna be done um and so we we kind of go at it from that approach where we, we teach people to fight and then we teach them once they've they've attained a certain level then we put a knife in that hand and it's not, you know, okay, they're going to stab this way and they're going to stab that way and they're going to stab this other way. And we teach how to deal with, you know, checking the hands and being able to get to the, to the draw of the blade and, and everything in between. And the whole idea of defend and counter, it's a great concept. Yeah. It just doesn't work. Um, it, it, it fails under stress. It fails under pressure. And so we emphasize getting control, um, and control for us is two on one in some form or fashion Yeah. and then, and then doing damage. Um, and by two on one, just to clarify is two hands on that knife, on that knife arm, on that knife hand, right? 
Two hands right. on the one. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, and, and then still recognizing that it's going to suck and that you're probably going to get cut, you know, um, and, and we're trying to minimize damage as best we can. And we're going to disengage as quickly as, as it as it feasibly makes sense. Not not as quickly as possible, but as quickly as feasible. Yeah. Um, so um, knife, I think uh, everybody's looking for the holy grail when it comes to dealing with with knife. Um, and that's why you'll see so many different approaches out there. And if any of the approach to me, my, my personal opinion is any approach that looks simple and easy is a lie. Yeah. It just does, it just doesn't exist with knife. Um, it's going to be hard and it's going to be a fight and you know, yeah, maybe I can punch somebody in the face and take off running. Maybe that may be an option. Yeah. Um, but, but I think it's, uh, not very likely. Yeah. Um, and, and so again, you have to learn how to fight. And, and I think when dealing with knife, you know, wrestling is, is massively important. Understanding how to control some, another human being that, that's trying to do damage to you. Um, that has a tool and to is fight. trying to do damage. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. That's right. And if you don't believe anything that Ryan's saying right now, I would challenge you just to go out and look at some security footage of knife attacks and how they really happen. I watched one just before calling you, uh, which is why I was a couple of minutes late and it was nasty. It was right in the middle of the streets. I'm sure it was in some foreign country. I'm more than certain of yeah. it, but it was brutal. And, you know, yeah. I, I would say think in context of those defense techniques that you're learning and feel so confident in and apply them to that situation right there. And you'll begin punching holes into it yourself. Yep. So I know you got a knife and I've been, since I knew you'd come out with it, I haven't gotten one yet. Um, a bit of a knife fan myself, but, uh, how did, why, what made you decide to get your own? And then the other thing that I've been dying to ask since I saw that you had it is why did you go with the Tonto point on it? Yeah. Um, so as for the why, um, I was asked to, um, you know, it, it, it's something that, um, wasn't really on my radar um, in terms of uh, designing or creating one, um, but I was asked to do it, um, and it seemed like a, a cool project to be involved with, and and so I did. Yeah. Um, and I did a lot of a lot of research, a lot of talking to to knife people and fight people and 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 whatever. Um, but we came at it from the perspective of a fighter who has a knife as opposed to, you know, um, a Kali person or a, a scrimma person or, or whatever. So not, not a knife person. Yeah. Um, but we came at it from the perspective of, of, of somebody with fight skills that may want some sort of force multiplier. Yeah. Um, yeah. and that was kind of the, the idea behind the design. It's super simple, minimalistic, you know, it's, it's something that, um, I'm, I'm looking to get in my hand and I'm just going to fight the way that I normally fight. But now I have this, this blade in my hand. Um, as for the, the blade style, we, we've since then we've, uh, introduced a drop point also, but, yeah. um, yeah. because it's such a kind of single use blade, you know, it, it's not something that I'm, I'm really 
looking to open boxes with and, you know, pry things open with or whatever. It's something that I've, I've got on my waistband that I hope they'd never have to use. Yeah. Um, yeah. wanted something that was kind of, uh, versatile, um, that, that was designed more for, uh, kind of just stabbing, punching holes and things. Um, so I wanted something with a, with a strong, uh, edge geometry. Um, and that's where the 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 kind of the modified uh, tanto uh, geometry came in. Um, we did do drop point because um, you know it's funny knife people are uh, an interesting bunch. Um, they like what they like, and yeah. you know yeah. um, that is what it is. I I came at it more from the perspective of this is something that I'm probably never, ever going to have to use. <laughs> right. Um, right. And, and if I have to use it, I want it to do exactly what it's supposed to do. Um, and, and so that was kind of the thinking behind it. And and being able to, I mean, when I teach, you know, offensive knife work, blade work or whatever, I mean, again, we start from the perspective of, okay, this is how you fight. You know, this is focus mitt work. This is wrestling. This is clinch work, whatever. Now we're going to do that, but I've got this knife in my hand. Um, obviously, we, we, we give some consideration to how to access it. Um, but beyond that, it's, you know, I, I'm boxing with the knife in my hand. I'm wrestling with a knife in my hand. And from that perspective, it was important to have a, a design that was, you know, something I could put in my hand that was relatively easy to retain. Um, and I could transfer to a pistol if, if situation dictated without having to resheathe or drop the knife or whatever. Um, so that's, that's kind of the thinking behind the design. Sure. Well, I know you've got stuff to do. I did have just a few more questions for you if you got time. Um, yep. The, the one that, you know, that I ha- keep having conversations with people and I haven't figured out myself how it should be tackled is this idea, you know, that Krav or whatever self-defense, it seems like when it's teaching women how to defend themselves, you know, it's very cool to put on seminars and talk about terrible things that have happened to women to, you know, supposedly motivate or inspire them to keep coming back. And, but the, the lessons seem to generally be, and you tell me if you've seen the same, generally be nine times out of 10 or more. It's all about the stranger. It's all about the guy in the black ski mask hiding behind the bushes or in the dark alley. Uh, I've seen multiple women's seminars conducted where somebody that happens to have the white painter's van with no windows pulls up behind the school and opens up the door and they spend a half an hour dragging different ladies into the back of it and having them kick the shields to get out again. But we know most of the time it's not the unknown attacker it's the known attacker for women so can you talk a little bit about that and how to go about yeah what you guys might be doing yeah so uh, first of all like it, it goes back to a lot of the things we've already touched on yeah. um it's it's not cool and fun and, and and sexy to talk about you know um things like uh, awareness and, um, 
interpersonal relationships and those kinds of things. It's much cooler to, to, to bring a van out into the parking lot and drill somebody throwing a fucking pillowcase over your head and, and dragging you into the car and you beating the shit out of them. Yeah. That makes for way better Instagram videos. Yeah. Um, than, than me sitting in a, in a room, um, talking about, look, that the, the odds are if you're going to be assaulted, it's going to be by, an acquaintance. It's going to be by a boyfriend. It's going to be by a, you know, whatever. Um, and, and so kind of certain tells and, and, and recognizing that without victim blaming, um, there are certain things that are going to be important to, to understand when you're in certain situations in certain contexts. That's not sexy. That's not fun. That's not cool. That doesn't make for good uh, social media uh, views. Um, and so, again, our our overall way, our overall approach is is antithetical to building a business and a following with you know uh, mass kind of response. Um, because those things just don't get traction, Yeah, you know, and, yeah. and it's a lot easier too, from, um, the student's perspective to think about it as that shadowy person hiding behind the corner because nobody wants to think, well, this could happen to me from somebody that I know, you know, yeah. nobody wants to think about that. Nobody wants nobody to think wants about to the drunk uncle. That's right. Nobody wants to put themselves in that place. So it's a lot easier to, to say, well, you know, have your keys in your hand while you're walking through the parking lot. Know where you parked your car. Something looks looks strange. Walk back into the car. If you put your finger, your keys between your fingers and somebody goes to attack you, punch them in the eyeballs. And, you know, like that's a much more palatable conversation to have. And it's, it's more tangible. You know, it, it's more formulaic. It, it's more if this than that, um, but what is not more of is intellectually honest, <laughs> right? Yeah, or realistic. Um, so, right? Yeah, I, I mean, look, the, the the truth is, most people have very little. Most people don't know what they want, but most folks don't want to train for reality. Because it's reality is scary. Mm -hmm. Like, if, if if we do a seminar on, um, I, I just had this conversation yesterday. All right, uh, somebody wanted was asking me about these um, kind of week long uh, camps that certain organizations put on in Israel. Um, and I'm like, look, if if you want to go see Israel, see some cool sites. You know, maybe meet some cool people, yeah. um, have some good, hard, tough training, then go do it. But understand that you're probably going to be doing sit-ups on a beach with waves crashing over you, and you're going to be doing AK-47 takeaways, you know, waist deep in the ocean and these kinds of things. Sure. Things that you're never, ever, ever <laughs> going to have to deal with in your entire life, yeah. you know. But it's cool. That's right. I'd like to take an AK um, away, AK forty seven away from someone while in the ocean. <laughs> yes, 
Exactly. <laughs> so you got cool stories to tell. Yeah. You got awesome photos and videos and whatever. Um, and again, like that's fine if that's what if that's what you want. That's fine. Yeah. But don't sell it under the guise of realistic self defense training because it's not. Yeah. It's LARPing. You know it. Mm-hmm. It, it it's it's faux reality um, for the sake of so like most of the stuff that we do here it, it doesn't make for good DVDs and workshops and stuff yeah it just doesn't you know you you have to come in here and you have to touch hands and you have to 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 wrestle against somebody that is trying to stop you from doing what you want to do and you're trying to stop them from doing what they want to do. And you're going to lose a lot and it's going to be super frustrating. And that, that's just not, <laughs> that doesn't look good on a DVD. Yeah. But that's where the growth comes from, right? Yeah. hundred percent. Like, so a couple of questions I want to get better. I have to lose. Yeah, absolutely. It's an important lesson. And that's and that's true in life, not just inside a training center where you're learning BJJ right. or self defense. That's that's true in the corporate yep. world. Experience it every day. Yep. So, a couple of fun questions for you as we wrap this up. What do you do in your free time? You're you're always traveling and teaching and dealing with pro athletes. What what do you do in your free time, man? Um, I don't, that does not exist. <laughs> <laughs> Um, that's my everyone fighting something. Um, no, honestly, like if, if, if I have free time, um, I'm hanging out with my kids. Um, I've got a son that's almost 17. I've got a daughter that's 11. And, um, if, if when I have time, I hang out with them. Um, we live on a little bit of land and just kind of do things out there or we'll go take a little trip a little day trip or something you know but um in, in terms of me personally like if i if i wanted to go just do something i mean like i was just talking about a, a camp in in israel i don't have any desire to do that but i would go do a thai camp in thailand yeah you know yeah, that'd be cool um too. so things like that um but for the most part you know i don't i mean i pretty much you own your own business, people, you know, there's this conception or or perception that, oh, you can take off whenever you want. (laughs) Um, It's quite the opposite of that. So um, I don't really have a lot of what I would call downtime. Um, But if it happens, I'm I'm hanging with my kids or um, it's still kind of work-related where, you know, I'll, I'll try to find some training to do to get uncomfortable. Sure. Yeah. Uh, last question. This is probably going to yep. uh, put you on the spot a little bit intentionally <laughs> and you can't, and you can't say your kids, right? You already, you already used that answer once. Can't do it again. Okay. Who is the person you think you've had the biggest impact on doing what you do? Positive impact on you doing what you do goes without saying that, that I've had yeah. an impact on. Yeah. Uh, man, I don't know. That's an interesting question. I and and it's funny because just two or three days ago, I got a, a message through my public Facebook page um, from a guy that 
uh, trained with me when he was 10 years old, probably, um, and was here for a couple of years. Um, and he's got two kids of his own now and a, it made me feel very old, but, um, <laughs> he has two kids of his own now and he, he, he just reached out out of the blue and said, you know, I just want to thank you and let you know that you're a big reason that I am the person that I am today. And this is somebody I probably haven't seen in a decade, um, haven't heard from in a decade. Um, and, and so that was a pretty powerful kind of thing to, to, to read. Um, and you know, there, there, has been a few like that over the years that, that I could point to. Um, those, those are the kinds of, of people and the kinds of messages and things that make it all worthwhile. You know, I have days just like anybody else where getting out of bed and going to work and, you know, for the most part, to me, this is not work. This yeah. is fun, and this is what I enjoy doing. I love it. You know, I wouldn't trade it for for anything. Um, but th- there's there's still those days where it's like, ugh, if I teach straight punches one more fucking time, you know, like. Um, but but it's messages like that 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 make it all worthwhile and remind you that you know, yeah, I'm teaching a straight punch, but there's a hell of a lot more that goes around that lesson than just the act of throwing that punch. So I don't know that I really answered your question, but that that's kind of, you know, what gets me up and going every day. Sure. Yeah. I'll let you get away with that one, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate it. Um, so how can people find you and get a hold of you? Uh, fit to fight.com. Um, fit to fight Republic on Facebook. And then I have a, a public facebook page also just ryan hoover um and anybody can email me it's just ryan at fit um if they so desire um we always have you know some kind of events or, or training or something going on um usually starts back up third week in january we'll be in vegas for shot show and we're doing a big seminar out there and it'll be hot and heavy for the next six to eight months probably so come check us out absolutely ryan i want to thank you once again for taking time out of your schedule to do this with us i appreciate it i've been wanting to do it for a while and it's been fun and i think there's some good info and pieces nuggets in here for folks too so thanks so much awesome thank you jim i appreciate it yep we'll talk to you soon take care